Hey, this is Nadine Whiteman Roden, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. I want to ask you to really kind of start off this chat. I want to ask you, like, when did you get interested in acting? Like, who were some people that you looked up to and said, you know what? I want to do this. This is the thing that I dreamt about doing. I have always wanted to act, I think, from the time I was like knee-high to a grasshopper. I was that kid that TV was my babysitter. I watched a lot of TV and that was the thing that I always wanted to do. So things like, you know, watching Good Times, Different Strokes, Facts in Life, all of those shows were things that I thought I could be on that show. I want to do that. I mean, it even goes farther back to like being in nursery school and being in the nativity plays. I was all up in it. I was ready from the time I was little. We have um, over here, um, it's like a memory or keepsake book. And it goes from the time you're in nursery school all the way up until I hit university. And every year it's in, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'm like, the first one is always actor. Actor was always the way. So I got into it quite honestly, singing in church, doing plays, all of that kind of stuff. I've always wanted to do it. So like, tell me a little bit, because obviously, like you said, you're involved in like musicals. Now I looked, like I tell people when they're on the show, it's pretty much like I know a little bit about you, but if I know everything, it's almost like, why have you? It's <laughs> almost like, I'm just going to be here going like, yes, I know, I know. But like, I, I read that it was like, uh, Mamma Mia was yeah. one of the things. And I, I like for me now, maybe you kind of grew up with Mamma Mia. This is something that you wanted to be in. But like, I always thought when I was smaller, I was watching like high school musicals, like the okay. actual, like the Disney high school musical. Yes. And my thing is like, yeah, I liked it. I liked the first one, the second one, the third one, when it went to the movie theaters, I'm like, all right, now you're just trying to get us for every dollar that you want. And then they made high school musical, the musical, the TV show. Yes. And I was like, okay. I was like, now we're really stretching because it's like Disney plus is running out of ideas. But from <laughs> that, we get, from that, we get like Olivia Rodrigo. But I want to ask you with Mama Mia, when you got this role, was this something that you were kind of like, yes, I finally did it. I've made it. This is, it's all uphill from here. <laughs> I honestly, when I was auditioning for it, when it came out, I had no idea what it was. And at that time, when you put in Mama Mia, it was some kind of pizza joint and, New York state or something like that. Like it, nothing came up about the musical. So there was really nothing to find out about it. I knew I liked ABBA music and I kind of went out on a lark. Like I went in to an open call. I was working that Saturday at my day job. I went to the open call and they're like, great, you got a call back. I'm like, that's amazing. I had no idea. And then I go to the call back. I'm like, great, you have a call back. I'm like, come on, that's great. Last call was the final call. Didn't know it was the final call. And like the entire creative team from England was there. I, I had no idea. And then I get into the room and it's like all Stratford Festival, Shaw Festival, like all the who's who of like musical theater people are in this room. And I had ignorance is bliss. Let's put it that way. But when I got the show, even rehearsing it for the six weeks, Bjorn and Benny were there, like all of this stuff, people were in from New York. I still was kind of blissfully oblivious to what was going on. Tons of Broadway performers were in the show, no idea. I didn't kind of realize what a big deal it was until the dress rehearsal, the invited dress, which I didn't really even know was a thing. And I got, I'm putting on my costume and the Royal Alex is packed. It's oh. jammed, like to the rafters. And I grabbed somebody. I'm like, this is an invited dress. He's like, yeah, it's full. He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and we do this show and people are like overjoyed and it's amazing. And I just thought, I guess I did it. I guess, and I kind of thought that would be the end of it. I do this for six months and that would be the end of it. And, you know? 20 odd years later here i am still doing it yeah do you find like i because everyone has a different kind of sense of going into a performance or an audition like do you find not knowing like obviously that it was a bigger deal than what it was kind of helped you because i know 
for me, I'd like to believe anyway. Now I come from like public speaking backgrounds and whatever, but like, I, I always think that kind of helped me growing up to be a public speaker because you can speak to a wide audience or a small one. But in my mind, I always get anxious of like, Oh my God, look at that crowd out there. But then as soon as like, it's almost like I have a parent, I have parents that are more or less like, all right, you signed up for this. So if you don't go out there and nail it, like you're not going to hear the end of it. And they'll like, they'll make you go out on stage. Let's put it that way. So like, I was kind of like, if I don't do well here, I'm going to get told when I get home. Like, so I was like, just get out there and do it. But I always felt the moments like the three minutes right up to 30 seconds before you do your speech or whatever, you're kind of like, let me, I want to get out. 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 And the next minute they're like, okay, action. Or like, you know, your turn. You're like, all right. And then you get ready. And then when you're done, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But like, if someone had to tell you beforehand, like, Brian, there's like a lot of audience there that's waiting for you. I, I'd be like, I get it all in my head. But if someone's like, yeah, there's like five people and you see there's 50, you're kind of like, you lied to me. I'm going to talk to you about this after. But right now there's 50 people out there that are expecting something from me. So let's go. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's better for me if I don't know. I, I even to this day, I mean, sorry, any director who decides to like, hire me, but <laughs> I don't read breakdowns fully. So I never know what network it's for if it's a huge motion picture if it's spielberg who's casting it who's the lead best for me not to know when i do the audition everybody's auditions get treated the same way if it's an indie film to big blockbuster y'all get treated the same way it's better for me not to know because i do get super nervous about it so yeah it's i i am definitely that person that it's better for me to know after the fact because then once you're out there, you're just doing it and it's it all feels the same. But yeah, better yeah. for me not to know if the place is jammed to the rafters and I, I didn't accept it. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's a good mentality to have because that way, if you get it or if you don't get it, whether it's a big part, small part, you can at least say, hey, I, I gave you everything. So My like, best shot. So if yeah. you leave and you didn't get it, you're like, oh, I, I gave it everything. Because I know there's some people out there, like I don't know personally, but there are probably other p- people out there like, all right, this is the lead of Spider-Man or you're the background of Spider-Man. Someone's like, ah, it's just the background of Spider-Man. What do I care? It's like, actually, they were looking at your audition. And if you had to nail that, you could have moved up to like, you know, the second. And then you're like, oh, man, I would have tried harder. It's like, well, yeah. yeah. You just got, I feel like it's the thing with, with anything. You have to always put your best foot forward, right? What's the point in doing it if you're going to half-ass it here, but tomorrow you're going to be amazing? Like, I feel like it all the way through, I want anybody who sees my work to be like, oh, she's great. She did really, really good. You know what I mean? That way you do mess up on when they go, she's usually amazing, which has actually happened to me before where I actually really messed up in an audition right after Mamma Mia. I was going first audition that I'd done in a long time and I had a really bad day. (laughs) I finished that audition and thank God I had a friend on the other side of the table and she's like, I don't know exactly what happened there, but she's usually better than this. And it, it gave me, then they gave me a shot. I actually got the job and I shouldn't have. It was terrible. It was a terrible one. <laughs> that, that's, that's when they go back and look at the film and go like, really? This girl? You yeah. sure? And it's like, like yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Crying. Like I yeah, ended yeah. up breaking down and crying in the audition and couldn't remember my words to my song. So it was really bad. <laughs> I feel like I feel like to try to make that relatable, but it's probably like you know I I don't know the age that you were at at that point, but I remember well, when I was in my thirties. Oh, okay, well, so it's like it's like my age now. So I feel like there's a moment in time where you're kind of like, all right, it's gonna hurt for a while, but we'll get over it. But my kind of claim to bloopers, I'll say, and I'm yeah. I'm a big fan of bloopers. I'll take it. Like if yeah. someone wants to make fun of me for it, I'm like, dude, yeah. I out of a hundred and some odd episodes of a podcast, you're telling me that you have no bloopers. I'm like, no, I have plenty. I'm sure there's like out of each episode, I'm sure I could find one, but right? there was, there was one when I was younger. I remember going on stage for like, cause this is when I first wanted to get into acting. And yeah. I was like, all right, just sign me up to do something. They're like, all right, you have two lines. It's a Christmas play. One is you're a mouse. You dress up as a mouse. You come out, you say, oops, I'm unique. I'm like, done. Awesome. Second one, we're going to give you a monologue about how like mash on potatoes and peas and all this i'm like all right that's a little bit harder but let's do it we've got like five weeks so we're like kids you're expecting kids to like do things no the kids need directions 
So it's Christmas. We're in a back room watching a Christmas movie. And then like, you know, it's a teacher and a teacher's like, uh, someone remind Brian he's on. It's like, all right, done. No one comes to get me. They do the thing. She closes the curtain. She says, we'll try it again. Does it again. No Brian. So then finally someone comes in the room while we're watching like how the Grinch stole Christmas. You're supposed to be on. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's good. Like five minutes before I come on that. Awesome. No, I get out there. She wires me up. We've called for you twice. You haven't come. And I'm like trying to apologize while Mike is on while parents are watching me get mic'd up. So then I do my line. And then afterwards, she's like, you did fine, but nothing's going to recover from that. And I was just like the way that she just like, I don't care if you nail that out of the park. And there was like a person there ready to sign you. You know, and I was just like, it's not on me. It's on you trusted kids. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel I feel like at 10, I can tell those stories and someone's like, oh, that's great. I did that at 30 or something. I'd be like, all right, that's different. There's a lot more expectations at 30 than at 10. That audition, I I had a huge fight with my my now ex-husband. I forgot my resume, my picture and resume, which you always have to have for musical theater. I was crying all the way in. I was a disaster. Got in there. I I was in New York, just finished doing Mamma Mia on Broadway, and I bought a book of music. Didn't have anybody play it for me. Get in there. He starts, I think it's in one key. It's in a completely other key. He starts the music, and I'm like, what are you playing? It just kind of spiraled from there. And he's just looking at me like, this is a disaster. Yeah. Um, he was like, he was very sweet. But then had a great summer that year doing a great show. Like I, I, they, somebody couldn't do it. And they had me, they gave me a shot and turned out okay. <laughs> so like, I, I guess I'm just kind of curious because there might be other actors, young people out there that are interested in this kind of stuff. Because this is kind of why I like chatting with people like yourself. Yeah. But like, so how do you essentially kind of, you know, you leave this and you think, all right, this is disasterful. Like what goes through your mind and how do you bounce back? Cause just say some people go like three or four years and then they never get a call and they're like, okay, that just blew it for me. Some people get like the next day a call going, Hey, I know you didn't nail this, but here's another part. And then they get that part. And then it's, yeah. it's like, Oh my God, I, that was good. I never got that part. But like, how did you bounce back? Well, it was good from that one, at least, because my agent called me after I auditioned. She said, so you didn't get it. I'm like, duh. I was terrible. (laughs) I was terrible. And she was like, okay. And then a week later, she calls me. She says, you got it. I'm like, how? How? You're more upset that you have it now. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's crazy. But then, I don't know. I guess whenever I do auditions now, or my, my philosophy with auditions is that that's a moment in time, right? It's a snapshot of a moment in time. And I kind of try to let it be. So I don't, I try not to think about them after I've auditioned for them. Sometimes I have to go back if I have a call back and go, what audition was that? And try to figure it out. So I think that it's, if you can let that be the snapshot in time, capsulate it, let it go, just like a balloon and let it fly up into the air and let it go. I think that it's a, easier way to kind of deal with it and the nice thing was is that I could sing and there you know and I, I'm of a certain age and I'm a black woman and they were doing shows like that so the calls kept coming in yeah. so I was you know I was lucky that way but yeah I think that you have to kind of let it go and I've had bad auditions as well I again had bad auditions where I thought and book yeah. the stuff so there's something in there that even the bad auditions could be good auditions. They see something that you didn't see, you know? It's it's weird. Like, it's a weird dynamic because I guess sometimes you got to be in the room to kind of figure out, like, I'm sure when you go, I, I've done it myself. Sometimes I'll look at movies and I'll be like, how is this person cast for this role? But at the same point, it's like, I'm, it's what you call, I guess, like uh, a couch fan, I guess, yeah. where it's kind of like, all right, well, you do better. I'm like, hey, I didn't say I was going to do better. It's just, I'm just kind of curious, like how, like I'm looking at like, the, the Spider-Man, I grew up with Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. And I thought as a kid, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like Spider-Man's yeah. a lanky kind of fella. And then you see like Andrew Garfield play it, Tom Holland. I'm like, okay. But like, I was interested reading up on it where it was like Tom Holland was this whole other approach where they were like, yeah, we need to go get like younger, like not 
muscle guys to play these roles. And I was like, oh, and then I didn't even think about it till I read the article. I was like, you're right. Because when you look at like a Ryan Reynolds, kind of like when they go to get these roles, they have to get super buff into this stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh, it makes sense. But then I look at like Batman. And to me, Batman has always been like a Bruce Wayne, like kind of like big built guy. And then it's yeah. like you see Patterson now playing it. And I'm just like, there's a part of me that's like, really? The Twilight guy? But then there's a part of me that's like, all right, whatever. It's not, it's not like, it's not necessarily drawn for me. Maybe there's an audience out there. That's like, I like yeah. this guy as Batman. I'm like, good. Yeah. That's as long as someone's out there watching, I guess. But in my mind, I'm like, how did we go from buff to like, all right, but it makes sense to me, but I don't know I'm why it makes the sense. Will swing a little bit my way. We've gone buff. We've gone thinner, maybe a little bit thicker. Yeah. Superhero. I'm down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a little extra a little extra padding a little honor maybe <laughs> yeah like i i just think it's interesting because now again i'm obviously coming from like the white side of things compared to you and the in the black background here yeah. but like when you had chadwick i think that's his name that was playing that's the awesome. oh yeah God. and like his role that he had in that movie like again i will be the first to say i'm not into action movies like that kind of thing but i was like that's to me now i'm i'm white looking at it but i'm like that's really cool that's interesting that there's going to be a young black audience that's like finally we have someone that we can call our own i'm like it as a kid you don't think about this so yeah. like when you got older you're like that's cool because i'm going around saying my superhero is spider-man superman batman but i'm in newfoundland so like i we don't have a big black community i didn't graduate yeah. with a whole so like it never really rang to me and then when i moved to ottawa Yes, you get a little bit more of the black culture, but yeah. like when you ask them what their favorite superhero is, some you'd be like blown away with like, I didn't have a superhero. What are you talking about? I'm like, how do you not have a and I'm like, oh, okay. And then when they were used to bring up like, but we're so excited about this movie. I'm like, why? It's just a superhero movie. And I'm like, oh, it's like I get it now. It's huge. That was a huge one for me. Seeing Black Panther like that was wild. That was wild. And every black person. I think everyone felt a connection to that movie. Like we had ownership of that movie. It was so yeah. amazing, you know? And when, I think the same thing for Shang-Chi for my, you know, my friend Simu, you know, little Asian kids who get to see a superhero that looks like them and he's so badass. I mean, that's wild. I mean, representation really does matter, you know? I mean, the, the superhero that I kind of attached to from the movies in the beginning was, was it Angela Bassett? I'm pretty sure it was Angela Bassett played the first storm. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I want to be her bad ass. Give it to me all the days. I love yeah. yeah. You know, those are the, those are the kind of things that you just go, oh, I can see myself, you know? Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I think it's because, you know, it's funny because when you talk about the the movie side of things, like I want to talk about because you mentioned a couple of the TV shows that you grew up watching mm -hmm. and said like, oh, well, you could see yourself in that. Like I look back at it and, you know, I'm watching Full House, Boy Meets World, a, a bit of a random one that some people would be like, really, you were watching that? But like Family Matters. I love yeah. Family Matters. I think it's the way they presented it. Now, it's like Blackish does a really good job of this, too of like mm -hmm. how they present the family, but it wasn't just strictly stereotypes. Cause sometimes when you're watching a white sitcom, yeah. right. It's almost like, all right, this, this is the black family next door. We got to make them seem like they have issues, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, but family matters kind of made it sound like we're just a normal family, man. Like we're just, exactly. we're just a black family and we have an Urkel next door, just like you would have a geek next door. And I'm like, exactly. all right. And I think that's what drew me to it. And the same with like fresh Prince. It's kind of just like, 
you're not portraying them as like what we would see in a white sitcom of like, oh, like this is a low income, bad family or whatever. You're portraying it as like, yeah, we live here too. So that's the big deal. And I liked Family Matters for, even though I can't totally relate to it, but I like that was bringing attention to it because I'll turn on Full House and I've mentioned this in many interviews. It's like the end of the episode is the soft music. It's like, oh, Michelle, you ran away from home, but I'm so glad you're happy. Like you're back. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's right. And then you turn on like family matters. It ends with like, hey, people in Chicago passing your guns. I'm like, okay, what's going on this episode? But I'm like, I get it. I get where it's geared towards. But I also like that you're sending a message towards that where it's almost like we're not avoiding what's going on here. We're basically bringing light to that. And I'm like, all right something that I don't think white sitcoms would do that much. It's almost like, yeah, we understand what's going on in the U S no, we want you to be happy. I'm like this, this black sitcom over here is actually bringing attention to me of like, Hey, this is what's going on now. That, that was French fresh Prince for me. And I mean, yeah. I know that now they have Bel Air, but French fresh Prince was one of those shows that if you go back and watch, I mean, it was super funny and over the top and had some slapstick and stuff, but, the social commentary in that show was quite deep yeah. and I loved that about that show. But, and, and the thing that I also liked that about that show is that everybody liked it. You know yeah. what I mean? Even though they were making big social commentaries and all those type of things about the, the black experience, everybody still loved the show and thought it was amazing. I'm really hoping that's the same thing for my show and the same thing for Cosby's show. You know, Cosby is, I know, is fraught with <laughs> issues at him as a person. But yeah. the show itself was... Oh, groundbreaking. You want to be yeah. a part of the Huxtables. Yeah. You didn't. Tell me one person. I dare you to tell oh, we, me. Yeah, my, my brother would have it on every day, like after school now. There's like a 10-year, 12-year age gap. But I was yeah. like, you know what? It's like, yeah, that makes sense. But when you're talking like Fresh Prince, it's funny because I will go back and watch episodes and... Me, my friend loves it, but he will tell you like, oh, I like this episode, this episode, this episode. And I'll go back and watch and be like, remember this funny scene? Remember that funny scene? But then you go back and there are serious parts. Like there's the part where, of course, his dad doesn't want him. There's the part where uh, I think Carlton realizes just because like you have all the money in the world and you're from a rich family, it's still the color of your skin. That, exactly. And I was like, I was like, again, you're watching this like 10, 12. You're like, I don't really get it. But then when you get older, you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is like actually deep. Like, cause I'm I grew up with Boy Meets World. That's like the whitest show for me. But there are deep, there are deep moments in Boy Meets World where you're realizing, like, all right, like this seems a little extreme, Corey. But at the same point, you're like, I get where you're coming from because I'm yeah. going through it myself. Yeah. So now when I'm older watching like Fresh Prince, I'm like, all right, I can kind of relate to it a bit, but I'm sure out there at that point, someone relates to it like way deeper and i'm like you know what all right you're bringing light to it which is awesome exactly exactly yeah no fresh prince is that's a deep show i'm so excited to watch fresh um bel-air because now they're doing all of that deep stuff but with with a dramatic twist on it i can't wait i can't wait to watch i feel like there's an audience out there that's divided like you got to give it a chance but i i'm pretty sure i was one of the first ones where i'm like can we just not remake shows can we just kind of give it original ideas like now Cause I remember seeing the trailer and I think he walks up and I'm like, that's not uncle Phil. Uncle Phil does not look like a mobster. And no. I was like, and I'm like, this looks like dark is almost like what it's happens if Will went to Fred Prince, but it wasn't like happy times. I'm just like, I don't want to see that. I want to see happy times. <laughs> but have you seen any of it? Because it is quite, it's so different. I, 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 have I, I had to do my head. I had to like literally <laughs> have to take a step back. I'm like, okay, okay. Like when I saw Jeffrey for the first time, I'm like, why is Jeffrey hot? Got yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm worried that sometimes they'll like you, you take it too extreme. Like I know it's different cultures and stuff, but I don't ever want to watch a friends remake where they're like, This is friends, but all the serious moments. I'd be like, No, can we just no, no. I don't want to watch I don't want to see serious friends like where it's right. like but I wanna ask you, obviously taking note of all this. Uh, nice segue. Let's talk about that. Like, tell me a little bit more about this show because I've seen the trailer. But for people who haven't, tell me like your role on the show and what the show is about. So I'll start with what the show is about. So Take Note is a fictionalized tween singing competition. is about a fictionalized 
team singing competition, a la Take Note, The Voice, all that kind of stuff. And we follow Calvin Richards, who plays my son, as he goes through all the trials and tribulations of the competition. I play Drea Richards. She's a tenured professor, psychology professor, and mom. She has two kids, Jackson and Calvin, and an awesome husband. And they are a family who is tight and loves each other and thinks the best, and they'll do anything for each other. And as they do, they uproot the family and move to L.A. and allow Calvin to pursue his dream. I do think it's kind of interesting because when I kind of first seen the trailer, I was like, okay, this kind of reminds me of almost like a Glee meets high school musical meets like, well, like the new kind of high school musical kind of sense. But it, yeah, like when I seen it, I'm like, okay, they're still trying to undercover stories because I mean, obviously you start like when you see things for like 10, 20 seconds in, you kind of start picturing it and they're like, when I seen like, oh, it's like, oh, were you doing the whole take note thing again? Or are you upstairs singing? I'm like, what is this really about? Right. And then when I started getting deeper into it, I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting because you talk about in the trailer a little bit of like backstabbing in terms of like him doing the auditions and, you know, trying to find yourself necessarily through all this and knowing your real talent. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, when you're watching trailers, they amp it up with like great music and great like, and I'm like, yeah, it makes me real interested to to kind of watch it and see it. Yeah. But like, obviously, when they give you this script or give you this role, like, what was the first things going in your mind? Were you kind of like, I gotta nail this, or were you kind of like, this would be interesting for me. I want to play this role. I think when I got the script, what I loved about it is how much heart the script had for the scenes that I had with Calvin. It, there was just such a beautiful, lovely heart in one of the scenes, especially where she gets to kind of just talk to her kid and really kind of pump him up and, you know, tell him how much she loves him and how he can do anything, which really spoke to my heart as an artist. I mean, having somebody in your family or having your family support you as an artist is invaluable. And then the script is very different from my audition script to what we actually put on the script, but it was funny and smart. The, there was this great um, comedic sense about it that I just kind of thought, oh, this could be really, really fun to do. You know, the kids are funny. The husband's funny. The, the, the mom, although she's rather the straight man of the show, but she's super funny as well, you know, because of her straight man side of it, she's funny. And I just, from first reading, I just knew the show. I just got the show and I thought, I, 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 I need to do this one. This is, this is one for me. So the, the show is funny. It's got great comic timing. Our showrunners were so great about giving us things to improv with and really kind of bring out the funny, bring us to the characters. The music is fantastic. So, so good. Some of it is stuff that you've heard before. Some of it has been written for the show. The stuff that's been written for the show is really catchy and fun. And those kids are just super talented, like crazy. I didn't, I just didn't have a clue at that age. They're super talented. So it's a great, I think that if you love musical type shows, you're going to dig this show. Like, it's just really fun. I, I'm just kind of curious and like, feel free to be like, all right, Tobin, you, you sound stupid, but like, you know, like it's, is it more of like a, a, a musical kind of comedy? Like I know some some shows have like laugh tracks. I feel like this one probably doesn't necessarily have a laugh track because it's obviously the musical side of things as well. Yeah. But like, I want to ask you, like, if you were trying to compare it, like, you know, if you're trying to promote it in your own sense, like what kind of kind of a um, message would you give it? Like, are you kind of saying it's like a blackish meets glee? Is it something like, I know I'm putting you right on the spot That's here. <laughs> That's a tough one because I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this show before. It is oh. really kind of a super original idea. Oh. I see what you're going for. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but it is a super original kind of a show. It it does have glee-ish moments in it. You know what I mean? Not like forced down your throat kind of glee moments? Yeah, not forced down your throat kind of moments. The musical things kind of come out of the performance end of things. You know what I mean? As opposed to having like a big dance number that happens in the middle of the yeah kind of thing, right? So we're seeing the kids perform. But there's all sorts of great, I don't know. It really is kind of um, unique in itself. But it has great 
lessons, like each show has a lesson about each thing that they're talking about, whether it be about civil rights, whether it be about bullying, not bullying, but starting rumors, that kind of thing, insecurities, all that kind of stuff. So the the lesson is wrapped up in these in this funny, charming situations and then also with this music that kind of supports all of that it is kind of a unique show yeah like i i I think like that made it kind of unique for me and maybe it's been done maybe like again i'm coming at it from a white perspective at at this time too but it's like when you see a a black kind of male character a young male character at that and auditioning for kind of i guess like take note or like this kind of music show i can kind of see it through the trailer, like certain things that we're going to try to implement in the show or yeah. touch upon. But I like that. But it's also, like you said, kind of interesting because I don't know if I ever remember seeing a young male character go through a musical per se. I could be wrong. There could be like someone out there as soon as this gets posted, like, actually, here's 20 odd. I'd be like, again, I said white perspective. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's kind of, it's, it's, um, it's uh, a fun idea because you are watching somebody blossom and grow as they go through the kind of things, which I kind of think that you see when you watch American Idol, right? Yeah. You see them from the beginning from their their auditions to where you see them at the end, whether or not they win or how far they get into the, um, the competition, they always blossom and grow and learn something about themselves, you know? And for Calvin, as you can see from the trailer, he's kind of the shy kind of guy. And the only time that we kind of see him kind of really do his thing is when he's singing. And it's really fun to watch him morph into, not morph, but grow, grow as a person, which is really great. It's so heartfelt. Oh my goodness. I feel like that's like kind of coming back to what you said about when you got the, got this role, read for the role and you see like, you know, being the mother to support their son in this kind of field like i feel like that's something that i know there's videos and stuff now on instagram that you see like my favorite one that i come back to is there's like a young boy in the um it looks like a christmas play and Uh he comes up and he's like he looks very pissed off let's put this way and then like uh i think the caption reads like uh, when people say showing up doesn't matter when your parents aren't there, show them this video. And then like, he's looking around and then she just yells out his name and you see him go from pure pissed off to like going like, yes, like she made it. And I'm just still, like, all right. I remember as a kid, I wasn't probably that animated, like thinking like, oh, my parents are here, but yeah. just knowing that they're there and having a presence into something you're interested in. And obviously there's kids out there that like might have an interest that their parents are like, man, I can't take an interest in that. I don't know nothing about that. It's like, all right, no one's asking you to go up on stage with them or no one's saying go bowling with your kid if that's his thing. But like maybe try the best you can to support that so that they kind of show you that side. Because I know there's kids in school that I went, well, I went to school with and I'm like, I know you have a talent for this. And I know all of us are like 12 and we're 12 to 16. We're assholes because we're probably jealous of your talent. Yeah. And it's worse if you go home and your parents like, you're going to do nothing with that. And it's like, all right, yeah. now you feel like you're going to do nothing because no one's out there supporting you. But if you had like maybe four people, two people that said, screw them, you're good at it. Let them eat their shit later when you're doing this for like a career. And then they'd be like, yeah, let them eat their shit. And then you're just still like, all right, I guess in a nutshell, this is kind of where take note is. And like, I guess that's kind of what made you interested in it too, because it's like, okay. you're basically telling a young kid here, like, Hey, we see this, like, we see, this is what you're passionate about. This is where you actually come to life. So yeah, we're going to support you. And then that's obviously going to make him feel a little bit more like, oh my God, I actually have people that are backing me in this. Absolutely. I mean, one of our taglines is dare to dream big or find your voice. And that's basically what the Richards family does for Calvin is we allow him to dream big. And I think that's the best thing that I think that you can do as a parent is allow your kids to, you know, dream, you know, whether or not they do it or not, whether or not becomes your, your, your actual job, but the actual ability to have that dream and see where that takes you is kind of what we do for Calvin, what we're just going to dream, let him dream. And it's so great that you can allow that, you know, when kids are allowed to do that, you know? I like I like the tagline find your voice. Find I your feel, voice. I, I feel like that has double meanings where it's like the show meaning of take take note, find your voice and like 
find your singing voice, but it's also like find your voice in terms of like society, finding your voice in terms of a person. So if that's not the official tagline, make it. <laughs> I, 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 if I see that now where it's like, take note, find your voice. Like, God damn it. She's on my podcast. Do I get anything for that? Do I get credit? It's, yeah. it's just, I just think it's just, it's kind of great. And, and these kids, it's like art imitating life or life imitating art, whatever it is. It's what they're doing, right? They're dreaming big and they're finding their voice. So it's so fun to watch the, the actors who are in the show doing their thing because they are quite amazing. Now, I want to ask you kind of speaking of like finding your voice, mm-hmm. another great segue, uh, you know, like when we're talking about like I'm a person with disability. So like this in terms, in a sense, to give you a bit of background is trying to find my voice because when you apply for media jobs, like I have a media background, but it's like, sometimes they look just to check a box. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that know like what I mean when I say check a box. It's almost, it's almost like you could have all the credentials in the world. And then they're like, no. And then as soon as you're like, well, actually I have disability, they're like, ding. But it it still kind of makes you feel like a little bit invalued because it's like, you just took me because you met a criteria or a box. Exactly. Yeah. I read that like you're big on biopic. Is it that, is that the correct way of saying? Yeah. There you go. You're big on this. Like you're big on like, obviously black people, people of color getting their chance, their fair share. And I want to ask you, like, do you feel like in media today in the arts that they're getting that chance? And if so, like, what do you think kind of changed that? Well, I think it's way better than when I was a kid. I mean, there was just not a lot of representation on TV at all. And I do feel that it's getting better. I still think that there could be more of us in the rooms. I think that there could be more, we're seeing more, we're seeing more of us in front of the camera, but I'd like to see them also in the decision-making places, producers, casting directors, writers, all of those type of things. I'd like to see more of that because I think it does actually change the way things are written when you have people who know a little bit about the experience that you're writing for, you know? I think there's a couple of different things. I think that A, it's 2022 and why the hell not? B, I think that there's a lot of people doing more independent stuff, finding writing there for themselves and writing more stuff and they're it's getting picked up. And and it's not just surfacey stuff. We're actually seeing, we're not actually trying to write for a wider audience of like, oh, we're going to write this thing, but we're going to make it okay for our white friends so that they understand what's going on. We're just writing the thing and talking about our experience. And if you happen to watch, great. You know what I mean? Which is awesome. You know what I mean? Which then shows you really the the experience. So I think that there's a lot more people writing things and doing things and advocating, and it's making it more difficult for unions, producers, movie companies to ignore it. And it also, I think Black Panther was one of those movies that people were like, oh, we can't have a Black superhero. And then all of a sudden it's like, it was like number one for how long? Made how much money? You know, how much of an impact did Chadwick Boseman have on the industry? He happens to also be a fabulous actor, had been a fabulous actor. So I I think there's a combination of things that are happening in the world that is allowing it to happen. And if it, and I'm hoping that it's just not a season. You know what I mean? I yeah. Something that continues on. And that's kind of why I brought it up because I know we got we go everywhere with these kind of uh, chats and whatnot. But it's like for me, I'm looking at it, and some people would be like, "Stay, you know, stay in your lane. You're you're a white guy. Why are you even talk about this?" But like, I kind of feel like sometimes when you look at, especially the month of February, it's almost like, you know. Uh, all right, like let's roll out everything for like black people to show them that all right, we were always here for you. But it's almost like there's a there's people that will say, Great, we have our own month. But yeah, I sometimes look at that and like I, I think it's like Samuel Jackson when he gets interviewed, or no, maybe it's Morgan Freeman who gets an yeah. interviewed and he's like, Would you like your own month? And the guy's kind of like, No. And he's like, Yeah, so why am why is my whole history limited to one month? And I'm just like, I get what you're going for. I get the that. The thing is, is that I, I, you know, which I really heard, I heard recently, which, because I've always been a fan of Black History Month, but I also feel like I understand the other part of it. Yeah. Fan. I'm, it's hot in this room. I <laughs> so I get, 
toasty. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. hot. No. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all you. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think there's also a thing that what what the other side of the, the, the coin that I heard this week, which I went, oh, I didn't really think of it that way, is when you give us Black History Month and you say this month is about your history, it separates us from the history of the rest of the country, which we are also a part of that history. You know yeah. what I mean? Why does it have to be one month? And why is it just that month that you talk about the, the contributions of Black people? And I'm not even saying just Black people, like Asian people, Indigenous people, all the people. Like, why does it have to be parsed out, you know? Yeah. Because they are still a huge part of the history of the country. And together we made the country or yeah. made the history of the country because we didn't make the country. The country was here before we were here. And things were happening before any of us got here. So I just feel like I would love to just see that that becomes more mainstream, that we get it all the history all the time where we see it and people are talking about it as critical race theory. It's not critical race theory, honey. It's just yeah. the way it is. It's just, that's the world that we live in. All yeah. the histories were happening at the same time and 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 made what we have today, good or bad. Let's talk about it. If the world is full of so many different people, why can't we just see it out there? Like, why does it have to be a, such a huge thing? Yeah. You know, 2022, and it's the first time that somebody with a disability got a Tony Award. 2022? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know what it's I mean? Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Yeah, it's just like I look at it from the standpoint of kind of like when I look at news outlets or watching news and sometimes and then it's like, all right, like sometimes they just throw it for like the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes of a show. It's like, all right, here's like our black news reporter with their black story of the day. Blah, blah. I'm like, all right, like you think that that's kind of giving them like that voice. And yeah, there's probably people out there like, all right, we have. But I'm like, you could implement that so much better than just giving them the last 15 minutes, like throw it in in between the show throw it in somewhere so it doesn't like make it look like so distinctively obvious obviously with the way corporations work companies work it's almost like and this is another thing that's kind of bipolar i guess or one of the things that could throw you under the bus but i mean obviously with i think it's like george george floyd mm -hmm. uh and then of course once that happened i was watching like tnt like i i like watching nba and stuff too but like you would just all of a sudden see like all these black reporters starting to do shots and i'm like okay i see what you're going for now it's almost like the world seeing what happened here that's almost like that's not okay it's like well number one why did it take this guy so that people realize it's not okay but it's almost like i tell people and this is where people are like geez relax but it's like for someone like myself with disability it's almost like we need one day to see on the news a police officer beating up someone that's disabled and it's almost like all right that's enough now we have to get now we have to like get them involved of i'm like no it doesn't have to be that way it's like right? everyone has a, a shot here it's not like we're taking someone's like all right this month it's disability month all right let's throw disability features all right disability month's over let's no it's like how about you implement it so everyone can be involved exactly exactly it's it's the integration of everybody in society which is nice to be seen and it's just yeah you know, and it's coming as a as a black woman. It's just nice to be able to see yourself in your world. Like I remember going to the state and living in the states for a long time. People were like, wait a second, there's black people in Canada, and I'm like, yes, there's black. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> you know, like it's just so frustrating. Like, you know, in a rich black community in Canada. Yeah. It's just, I, I just, I bring it up just because there's a point of me that's like, you're talking about obviously the Tonys and then the first mm -hmm. disabled person to get a Tony, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, all right, that's great. But like, I'll turn on the news up here in Canada and we have uh, Janela Massa that does great with CBC. But mm -hmm. like someone gave them a shot and said, let's run with it. Let's see how she does. Now, obviously, if you follow her on like Twitter and uh, I think uh, TikTok, she like will tell you like she still gets hate mail and stuff. And I'm like, that's so I'm weird. Sure. But like she takes it like a champ. But I'm like, you shouldn't have to take it like a champ. You should just basically be like, this is not cool. But yeah. like, I'm still here in 2022 going like, all right, that's cool. You gave her a shot. But where is your first kind of person with disability on a newscast person with disability covering stories because to me that's representation for myself now, i'm not saying you have to take someone out of their role i'm just saying hey add to it i think when i do this podcast for example that's kind of like when we're talking about voice and finding your voice and having a reach like to me this is kind of why i started this podcast because i was applying for all these different roles at places and i was like i'm like i know i have the background i'm not walking in here like with a, a a fish hook and being like oh yeah i used to fish and i want to be in media they'd be like you don't have any media background i'm like i have everything you asked but yeah. i'm still not getting here and then you do internships and it's like they gave you nothing now i'm not saying it's just because of disability internships are like students where it's like all right just go do something to keep you busy i'm like that doesn't help any of us here right but when i started this i was like all right let's give people that you probably don't see as often a voice which is someone like myself someone like yourself Mm -hmm. yes you can have the mixture of acts in between that people know but that's the whole idea to blend it together so like if yeah. someone goes and watches this episode they're like oh yeah i've seen that show and i liked it oh geez he's also had the arkells on all right they go to the arkells and then the next minute they go to see another episode of a person they've never heard of but i'm like it's kind of like a melting pot you you get a little bit of everything yeah exactly exactly no it's it, it, it's fantastic and i and that's part of what I was trying to say also earlier is that thank God for technology that you can do this now because yeah. how frustrating would it be that you have all of this knowledge and you can't get anywhere, right? You can't even yeah. get, get to be seen or do what you do well, you know? Somebody had asked me once about social media and how do I feel about it? And I'm like, oh, well, social media is what's, what it is. But well, I will say the one thing that's coming out of it is that people are are being able to show creativity in a space and get it out to a wider audience than, you know, hey, Bob, let's yeah. play in the barn. You know, they're getting to do much more, you know? Yeah, I, I think a social media can kind of be like to people, it's a double-edged sword. Like some people say, I need social media for my career to stay active. I'm one of those people that's like, if I don't post, people don't know I'm here. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm not out there posting three or four times a day. I'm like, dude, here's a new episode. You like it? Great. Like, you want to build your own kind of following, not just a following built on, I guess, clout or just because, hey, I didn't post today, but here's a picture of myself. And they're like, dude, I get it. Like, you, you're looking for stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not that type of person. Like, yeah. I might take three years to get like 300 or 400 followers because I don't follow that norm. But right. at least I know in the four years, yes, I worked my ass off to get those 400 and they're legit following me and not being annoyed that I post every day exactly. of something like just be like, oh, I need to be seen. So here you go. Here's but, my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, but then there's people out there that just will say, yeah, social media is the worst. And I get that side of it too. I like that your kind of answer to it was like, you know, it's. It is what it is. It is that, what it is, unfortunately. It, it, I mean, I, 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 I do it, but I'm not great at it. I find that like, I find I, I lose steam. Like I was trying to do a post this morning and trying to get all the hashtags and trying to <laughs> get everybody on there and all the ads. And then I, I lose, and then I go, oh man, I made a mistake and now I can't go back. And then I have to start. Yeah. And then I'm like, I think I'm going to get something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, it's funny because it's like when you look at some of the hashtags where it's supposed to say like comedy or podcast and you'll see where it says podcast or like yes, you know I've done and, then that. and then it's like 20,000 I'm like see we're like you're, you're probably laughing at the person who's like oh my god this idiot put in podcast instead of podcast and you're like yeah but look 20,000 other people 
also did that. And then there's people out there that's like, that's how we're going to market our stuff. It's not going to be called a podcast anymore. It's a podcast. And I'd be like, I like genius. But I don't know how many people are going to follow that. It's like me going on and saying Tobin tonight. And then every time I put in Tobin tonight, I leave out like just a, you know, an N or an I. And then people are like, I can never follow him because he always misspells. It's like, yes, but that's how you're going to know that you're a legit fan base because you know that he always misspells it. (laughs) I'd be like, where are my, where are my Tobin two newts? And then they'd be like, why is he leaving out that last T? It's like, cause he knows, he knows if you're real exactly exactly that's gonna do it for this episode of topin tonight our thanks to nadine whiteman roden for coming on to the show remember you can find past present and future episodes on topintonight.com spotify and itunes follow us on twitter like us on facebook and leave a comment or two for tobin and myself this is jacob saying thank you for listening and good night I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Kids. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on the Dean Blundell Network or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy is something you do. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.